Hello, welcome back to Meraki Unboxed. My name's Simon Thompson. Hope you're having a great day. It's awesome to have you back on the show once again. Uh, we run this every couple of weeks, and it's a podcast that's really all about our customers, our technology, the culture at Cisco Meraki, and also the industries that we sell into as well, that we partner with as a business. Today, that's exactly what we're doing. We're going to be focusing on a vertical or a specific industry. And we did this once before. We had a, a session on manufacturing, which you'll find in the recent archives if you just go back a little bit, if you're interested in the world of manufacturing. Today, we're shifting gears and we're going to focus on financial services. So obviously an industry that we all interact with in some way, shape or form in our lives. So it's very interesting, I think, to get into some of the discussion around technology and the use of financial services, the trends that we're seeing there. So that's what we're all about in today's episode. Before we get into that discussion, just want to quickly remind you that uh, we'd love to have your feedback, thoughts and input for this podcast. We really do run this for you. And so we want to make sure that it's as relevant to you as we can possibly make it. So if you have ideas for a session that you would love to do, whether you'd like to just submit the idea for us to talk about, or if you'd like to be on the podcast yourself, just reach out to me on Twitter. I'm very easy to find. My handle there is at Meraki Simon. I would be very happy to talk to you and get something set up. So let's get that out of the way and we will start off with some introductions. We have a couple of esteemed guests today joining us from our own business from across Cisco who are going to take us into a discussion around financial services. So first of all, I'm going to introduce Tom. Well, thank you, Simon. Great to be here today. Appreciate the invite. Uh, Tom Phillip, um, uh, Cisco's America's financial services industry lead here in New Jersey, the US. We're really focused on digital transformation. You know, what can we do to help our customers align technology to strengthen business results? And my background is I've worked on the buy side, you know, in the financial services space as an insurance executive, startup company from whiteboard to acquisition candidate and here at Cisco. And uh, you know, certainly look forward to today's conversation. That's great. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Really appreciate it. And Chris, why don't you introduce yourself? Thank you uh, for having me, Simon. So I am a regional sales director for Meraki, specializing in the enterprise sector, covering the Western U.S. and the central areas. However, that's a pretty recent change for me. Most of my career, I have been on the client side working for large financial services technology companies, um, covering every role from developer to network engineer to senior executive and every role in between. So this is a new adventure for me on the sales side. And I'm really interested in digging in with our financial services customers and, and lending the help of my experience. Perfect. And so we have a vast amount of experience on the call with us today. Can't think of two better people to take us through this discussion. Thank you both for taking the time. It's Friday afternoon as we're recording this and we've all had a busy week, but I know we've still got energy in the tank to get through this conversation. It is really an opportunity for us to just learn a little bit more about the application of technology in the world of financial services. And I'm quite sure that many uh, who are listening will obviously have familiarity with financial services, even if they just have a bank account. But they'll also be aware, of course, that there's a whole bunch of different aspects to financial services. So we want to paint a picture for that. But also, you know, whether you know Meraki or not, what we would love to do is just give you a sense of how Meraki technology can actually benefit and play into financial services and the trends that we're seeing there. So Tom, I'm going to open it up with you. We switched to thinking about financial services and what that environment looks like. Maybe you could paint a picture for us, help us to understand, you know, what are some of the key criteria or the terms that our listeners may be new to, just so we get everybody on board with us. 
Well, Simon, one of the primary nuances since COVID has been a distinct operating model shift. And it's really determining you know, what our customers are doing, being working from home, whether it's a secure remote workforce from home or having that brick and mortar presence. So it's been a hybrid operating model and that it's not a one size fits all. So we've had customers that have worked brick and mortar just as Meraki does you know, in San Francisco, you know, having everybody come into the office every day in that collegial atmosphere. Suddenly, positive pandemic cases uh, last March, right after the pandemic struck here in the U.S., and immediately everyone was shifted remotely. And we were finding that the industry as a whole, risk averse somewhat to embracing the work from home operating model. We take it for granted and that Cisco, even pre-COVID, it was 60% of our teams worked from the CVO, what we call the Cisco virtual operating model. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas you know a lot of the banks and insurance companies were going into the office every day. So on the flip side, we are seeing that since the pandemic over the last year, a lot of our teams are very anxious to get back to the office. You know, CEO of a wealth management firm said, we've been in our skivvies long enough. It's time to get back. We need that uh, junior and senior mentorship. There's an opportunity there. So we're seeing that, interestingly, in the insurance space, it's actually grown a lot more resilient overall. There have actually been 20,000 new jobs that have been created since the pandemic. So it's a very resilient industry, but it's all about profitability. It's all about transactions and obviously financial solvency, uh, not only in retail banking, but in the insurance and wealth space as well. Yeah. So what I would love to do is just before we get too far into the, the kind of trends that we've been seeing is just to paint a picture of the landscape. And you touched on mm -hmm. that there. So you know, what are the different financial services that people typically interact with that we do business with ourselves and some of the kind of language and terminology that may be less familiar to our audience? When we think about financial services, it's retail banking, it's insurance, it's community banks, it could be credit unions. When we talk about securities and exchanges, it could be wealth management firms such as hedge funds, such as investment banking firms. So it's really a gigantic industry that's very resilient at the same time. So when you think about how has the pandemic impacted the industry, if you think of insurance, for example, the way insurance companies measure profitability is what's called the combined ratio. And if your combined ratio is over 100, you're writing at an underwriting loss. Your company is sustaining a loss. Mm -hmm. If you're under 100 for the loss ratio and expense ratio combined, then you're writing at a profitable book of business. So that's one of the big nuances in insurance. In retail banking, it's, it's all about being able to have that liquidity in place so that we're able to fulfill our customers' expectations as far as being able to fulfill transactions, whether it's a home equity line of business or opening a checking account, having that mobile banking experience that we so much come to expect, you know, really being able to accelerate those transactions, not only from an employee productivity, but customer experience and security and innovation perspective. The other nuance in FinServe is regulatory risk and compliance. I mean, very much a strictly regulated industry. Right. So it's really critically important for us to make sure that our data is protected for our teams that are working remotely, making sure not only that the data is protected, but that proprietary information is safe as well. And what happens if it's not? I mean, case in point, we just had a cyber attack this week with a major financial organization, CNA Financial, their computer systems remain down and they were actually attacked by a hacker group known as Phoenix. So that's really top of mind. You know, what can we do to ensure that our data is protected and most importantly, that our customers are protected as well? 
Yeah, that's obviously paramount, of course. It's not much that's more important to us than protecting the money we've worked hard for and uh, various different ways that we uh, we choose to use that to help with our lives. So uh, that's great. I think it's really nice to just remind ourselves that financial services is pretty broad. It does cover a number of different areas that do relate to different parts of our lives, as we said. So thank you for taking us through and giving us that picture. And you started to talk about trends that we've been seeing, and it sounds as though it's definitely a field where technology is still, in some cases, it's really advanced and you've got some really fantastic leading edge companies who are very comfortable with the technology. And then you've got some traditional institutions that are maybe a little bit slower behind the curve, still accelerating on that side of things. Maybe you could just talk to us a little bit about some of the trends. I suspect that uh, digital transformation and COVID is going to come up here because trust me, we've had that so many times on the podcast. It's clearly a theme that runs through for practically any industry. But let's think about financial services. Where do you see it there and the kind of trends that we've been seeing? What we're finding, Simon, this is an unprecedented time you know, to take a, a fresh look at your operating model. Take a step back. You know, how has your business changed since the pandemic? So some of the hot buttons that we've been seeing are around task and process automation, because teams that have been shifted to a remote work model, you still need to fulfill your customer expectations. So what are those processes and sub-processes that can be digitized if they're not already, mm. you know, to be able to help accelerate that interaction with customers and with our teams from an employee productivity perspective? Content management is another hot button as far as you know, what can we do to ensure that the assets that we're sharing with customers are easily accessible so there aren't a surge in call volume, for example, which is one of the big challenges we were finding in the industry because a lot of customers needed to transition their call centers and contact centers uh, to a remote model. So you had that multi-factor authentication suddenly working from home, you know, having to stand up the technology, make sure it's in place. Also, we're seeing from a uh, data security perspective and you know, having that secure remote access day to day mm -hmm. and having that capability so that you're able to access your system in the morning if you're working remotely, you're able to get the job done as you did previously in the office. But it's easier said than done in a lot of cases, depending upon the sophistication of the foundation and the uh, technology infrastructure that's in place. The other thing that we're seeing, it's really a customer in focus, a business in focus. So the conversations that we have every day with our FinServe customers, before we even talk about technology, we really want to understand what are you trying to do as a business? How has COVID impacted your business? You know, what are your strategic priorities going forward? And then once we understand from a employee productivity and CX and innovation and uh, regulatory risk and compliance and Real estate consolidation, which is another hot button, you know, as far as optimizing real estate resources uh, going forward. And then once we determine what your strategic priorities are, then we start to align it back to you know, Cisco capabilities. How can we help you in a bigger way? So it's literally an unprecedented opportunity to think bigger than you did previously you know, mm. prior to COVID hitting us all, you know, not only in the U.S., but obviously globally. And what are those opportunities where we can align technology and really take the business to the next level? Absolutely. Chris, have you got anything to add there to kind of round that picture out? I do. In my previous roles, I've really been concerned with a lot of the things that Tom outlined. And it really, for me, boils down to achieving secure, reliable, manageable environments. If we can't do that, us operations personnel and engineering folks have really, really long nights and weekends. And the solutions that we're talking through here really do hit on all of those key points. 
so let's think about the 2021 and and I want to get uh, I want to think about if you like this uh, positive outlook as we kind of try and think about moving past the major problems that we've had and think about just the technology trends and what's impacting the financial services industries more broadly so Tom can you elaborate a little bit on how financial institutions are prioritizing their initiatives in 2021 Yes, yeah, certainly can, Simon. And to put it all in perspective, just wanted to share a bit about what my first job was in the financial services industry and just the context about how far technology has come and what those opportunities are going forward in 2021. I started out as a outside liability claim representative for Aetna Life and Casualty, and that was investigate, evaluate, negotiate, settle. And it was literally uh, going out in the field you know, adjusting claims, you know, meeting with claimants and plaintiffs, negotiating settlements. But if you think from a technology perspective, it was going out in the company car, you know, brand new Chevy Cavalier. And you had the choice you could pick the color and you know, pick the blue car with a black interior. And they said, why did you pick black and blue? And I said, you know, claims is a black and blue business. I mean, you're dealing with a lot of, you know, serious, you know, obviously pain and suffering, significant issues. But from technology, it was literally a Hagstrom maps you know, stopping at a gas station to get directions. It was taking recorded witness statements from a mini cassette recorder. It was connecting a suction cup to your office phone, hoping that it wouldn't fall off, you know, to get that valuable recorded statement from the insured, the policyholder or the claimant or the witness. It was stepping off skid marks from a motor vehicle accident. Literally, I happen to be a size 12, so going step by step and moving it forward that way. It was pretty easy to take those measurements, but it was fax machines. It was paper claim files. So if you put that all in the context of where we are in 2021, this is a, a phenomenal time to be able to move forward. And some of the issues that we're helping our customers with are around secure remote workforce and the trusted workplace. So it's omni-collaboration experience, whatever that hybrid model looks like, you know, being able to leverage insights from digital channels to inform and improve in-branch interactions, you know, having that SaaS and cloud applications capability, you know, as the Meraki platform that, you know, obviously Chris will go into more detail about when you talk about virtual expertise, it's being able to have that video collaboration in place, bring in that right expert, for example, if you're looking to get a, a precise rate on a, a policy quote or a mortgage application, for example, you know, the customer comes into the door, into a bank branch, for example, you know, you're getting that SMS message to the bank branch manager, you're bringing in that mortgage underwriter at the right time, you're uh, accessing that secure remote worker with the video collaboration. And from a trusted workplace perspective, you know, some of the, the priorities that we're focusing on with our partners and customers are around surveillance and safety. You know, of course, you know, making sure that your assets and your customers are safe, you know, going into that contact tracing environment, having that intelligent physical security in place. Guest Wi-Fi is another hot button that you know, now everybody's going back to the branches you know, slowly but surely. You know, do you have that capability in place to be able to engage with customers safely, you know, to make sure that moment they enter the branch, you know about it and you're able to fulfill their customer expectations. Another that we're seeing a lot of smart and efficient buildings, you know, what can we do to optimize the resources in a sustainable approach? Yeah, you know, when we're talking about building management, we've seen in the industry a ton of consolidations as far as identifying you know, which key offices in the U.S. or LATAM or Canada, for example, 
are critical to ongoing business operations in 2021 and beyond, and which can be consolidated. You know, is there an opportunity to embrace the remote work from home operating model even further and shift teams working remotely? And then the other piece is around the operational risk management. So it's really being able to show economic impact. You know, what is that value at stake for making these strategic decisions as we continue to move the business forward? So th those are some of the hot buttons and some of the top ones that we're seeing since last March, but also going well into 2021 and beyond. Okay, thanks, Tom. And let's try and dump into a couple of specific areas just to, again, paint that picture for the listener. One of the ones that I often think about is the branch experience, the, the transformation that's going on there. So obviously, we use our devices increasingly to interact with businesses generally. But of course, we still do want to have, especially in the case of retail banking, we still want to have access to real branches. So what's happening there? How is the experience being evolved for people who like to visit the branch in person? Well, Simon, when we talk about the secure branch experience, we really look at four priority areas. We talk about a strong digital ready foundation, and it's all around customer experience. So when you come into the branch, you know, having that omni-channel experience so that you're able to immediately connect with the customer. You know, for example, we'll have SMS messaging you know, for the customer to check in you know, when they access the branch, which will notify the branch manager, for example. You know, Simon has just walked in the door. He's one of our Gold Star customers. Let's go out and say hello. And we know you're here to make a deposit, but we also have an opportunity for a home equity line of credit. We have a promotion going on this month. So it immediately creates a cross-sell and upsell opportunity by having that digital connectivity in place. That also includes, of course, the intelligent guest wireless, having those capabilities in alignment with customer expectations and also the virtual expertise, as I mentioned. When we think of our Cisco Building 10 in San Jose, where we have executive briefings, we have a virtual concierge. His name is Caesar. So mm -hmm. customers will walk into the door and Caesar will greet the customer virtually. Caesar's not on the first floor. He's somewhere else in the building. And what we're seeing is a lot of banks are embracing that model where you have a video concierge that greets you at the door when you walk into that brick and mortar branch. And some of our customers uh, do not even have an employee presence. So they're literally you know, managing the customers that do come into the branch remotely. Mm. And that's been very successful. The second piece, when you talk banker productivity, it's you know, having that right expert at the right time. You know, being able to connect with that expert, with that customer when there's additional interest, whether it's sales and servicing, the existing product, or from a software as a service and cloud applications need. But most importantly, to improve revenue generation, to grow the business, and to continue to transition bank branches back to full productivity when it's safe. Right now, we're seeing a lot of our customers continue to optimize that balance. You know, they're shifting resources. Some states are sending a lot of their teams back into the branch. Others are not quite in that place yet. We had you know, a CTO of a wealth management firm, for example, he mentioned earlier last week that they're expecting 70 to 80% of their teams to go back to the branch you know, once they get the green light. Right. Uh, so it really depends upon what the strategic requirements are of the institution. The, the other two areas when we're focusing on you know, highly risk-averse business, as I mentioned. So what can we do to mitigate risk and lower operational costs, whether it's OPEX or CAPEX? So here we're talking about operational risk and compliance from the branch, and that cybersecurity is top of mind. You know, as I mentioned, that the cyber attack that happened earlier this week in the insurance space, mm. and having that surveillance and safety in place 
from a security perspective, we know who's coming in the door, but also you know, to ensure that we're in protocol with the uh, state and federal requirements from a safety protocol perspective. And also from an IT and branch operations lens, you know, looking at the smart branch facilities, there's more and more of an opportunity to utilize AI and ML, predictive modeling, advanced analytics, in order to ensure that you know, we do have the sensors and the smart branch capabilities in place in order to strengthen competitive differentiation in the industry. So these are all areas of focus that we're looking at, but it's primarily those four of the top, customer experience, banker productivity, operational risk and compliance, and IT and branch operations. Right. And Chris, how would you kind of summarize these initiatives as we think about sort of improvement of business operations, resiliency, and sustainability? Yeah, financial services for me has always been a small margin, high volume business that relies on resilience and reliability of the network environment. The network just can't be down. And that down could be a circuit outage or equipment failure or a security breach. I mean, outages take many forms, but those just aren't an option. And so that resiliency that Tom was alluding to that is built into the solutions is really kind of the backbone for our entire financial services portfolio and where we can add the most value for our clients. So, I mean, really thinking about this kind of pre-COVID situation, again, returning to that thing again, we can't seem to escape it, but it's obviously been huge in all our lives for the last uh, at least 12 months at this point. For financial institution technology, you know, how's that changed as we've gone through this process and moved into the post-COVID world? Chris, have you got some examples you could take us through there? <laughs> How much time do we have? Yeah, um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there's quite a lot. COVID impacted the entire world. It wasn't just a financial services thing or an IT thing. Every industry everywhere was impacted. And I only state that painfully obvious fact because Every financial services company and virtually every company that has any investment in IT had a DR strategy for natural disasters, acts of God, catastrophic failures. But all of those disaster recovery strategies relied on recovering their business and their technology in other areas of the world. I was no different. My DR strategy for India was to move things to the Philippines. And if that didn't work, I could move it to Western Europe. And if that didn't work, the Western US or Mexico. But I didn't have a DR strategy for the entire company's data center infrastructure being completely inaccessible. And so that was a massive hit for us. Another one was remote work just wasn't that much of a thing. I've managed environments of tens of thousands of employees. And so when you're operating in that magnitude and and you've got remote work capabilities for 10,000 or 15,000 employees. It sounds like a big number, but overall it's a pretty small percentage. And even for companies like Cisco that had the majority of folks that were working from home pre-pandemic, nobody really had a strategy for everyone working remotely. That was a big shift for us. And then finally in financial services, we were never bleeding edge. There's not very many financial services companies that are out in front of IT technology trends. We tend to let more cutting edge companies adopt technology, make sure it works, and then we loop it in as the regulations like SOX and PCI and HIPAA and those other regulations as the technology catches up to those stringent issues. So cloud was one of those. I mean, there absolutely was cloud. My clients and, and I were all big users of GCP and Azure and AWS and several others. But as far as running production in the cloud, 
running contact centers, running our network management. That just wasn't something that we did because our networks were big, they were complex, they grew through acquisition. And so we were still trying to kind of unwind and standardize that complexity when the pandemic hit. And now all of a sudden, nobody can go into data centers to do the heavy lifting of putting components in or taking components out of the network. There's quite a few others, but I think those are the biggest examples of how life changed after March of 2020. It's a lot. Uh, so if we think about the kind of support of the hybrid workforce, you know, whether they're in the branch or they're working from home in this new normal, as we're calling it, you know, we've got these different technologies, obviously, that can support that so around the wide area network, local area network and the mobility management devices and cameras and sensors. Is there anything you want to pull out as far as, you know, specific areas of the Meraki solution, perhaps, or the broader Cisco solution as well that can that can help support that hybrid model? So just touching on a few of those examples, the WAN edge, Meraki solutions are all about eliminating complexity. I like to use Apple's iPhone as an example, and it's one that, that many folks have used, but you know, you open up the cover on an iPhone and there's a million little components in there that good luck trying to figure out what any one of them are, let alone actually being able to see them because they're so tiny. But it's such a simple device that a three-year-old can swipe on it and be playing Angry Birds or, or some other application inside of, of two seconds. It's a really intuitive, easy to use device. That's what Meraki is endeavoring to do with our network solutions. So like at the WAN Edge, for example, when you think of the WAN Edge in our clients' environments, whether it's a branch, whether it's a campus location, or a remote worker, there's a certain amount of complexity that's built into that via the circuit, the terminating device at that location, and then the infrastructure that's behind it. If something breaks, it's typically a pain to isolate what's broken outside of a circuit outage. If there's an issue on the LAN side, if there's an issue with the circuit from like degraded performance, and so you'll need a bunch of applications or management layers to help isolate and troubleshoot those issues. With Meraki, all of that stuff is built into our solution. It is truly everything you need to run a remote WAN environment inside of our dashboard. Uh, the tools you'll need to isolate and identify those issues are in there. And then you can use those tools to optimize the user experience and really just reduce your time to recovery. And there's another item too is security. In today's wide area network, there's a big reliance on SD-WAN and pure internet circuits. And that introduces you know, a certain amount of uncertainty into our executive minds just due to the public nature of the internet and all of the stuff that goes on there. But with our Meraki solutions, we're fully integrated with Cisco's umbrella. It literally is a single toggle switch inside of our dashboard. You subscribe to umbrella and turn it on and you get all of the great security protections that umbrella provides inside of the Meraki solution. So the, the WAN is secure, it's easy to troubleshoot, and it's quick to resolve when something breaks. On the LAN side, there's a couple of really cool things too. With our network, our wired and wireless network stack, we can take a look at things like customer dwell time and occupancy heat maps inside of our dashboard. So when someone comes into a branch or someone comes into an office and connects to the Wi-Fi, we can track what APs they connect to, how long they stay in a given spot, and how many folks are in a given area. So in today's new normal, where it matters if you have six feet of distance between folks or you have more than a certain number of people inside of a given space, the ability to see that and alert on it is something that is natively inside of our Meraki solution. There's no additional licenses or hardware or software or anything else to buy. 
we do actually offer a secure enterprise mobility platform. So it's our systems manager platform, and that allows our clients to securely and centrally provision, monitor, and secure all endpoint devices in their organization. So that's iPhones, iPads, Macs, Windows PCs, whatever you like. Again, this is a product that we sell, and it is inside of that dashboard platform that is a single point of management for all Meraki devices. Why this is important now, as opposed to pre-COVID, is really simply not everybody's in the office now. So if I've got a corporate asset that is connecting to the public internet at my house or at another location, I want to make sure that that asset can't access certain things or meets a minimum spec with respect to operating system or security revisions on antivirus software. All of that type of micro-level configuration to ensure that endpoints meet my corporate security compliance guidelines is built into our platform and the ability to manage those assets is right there along with your wireless management and land management as well. And then finally, cameras. Physical security and IoT has taken on new importance in the environment. I alluded to it earlier when I was talking about tracking folks or endpoints via wireless access entry, but with Meraki smart cameras now, our mission has gone from securing our clients' data centers and closets and entry points into their environments to actually making sure that conference rooms are not exceeding occupancy restrictions. Mm. You can combine cameras and sensors to count the number of folks that go into or out of a given space and make sure that that space is cleaned on an occupancy schedule as opposed to a timing schedule for your cleaning folks. You can use our cameras to ensure that office occupancy doesn't exceed your given space. And if it does, to alert immediately the proper building security folks so that they can go and address that and spread some folks out. And with those cameras, guys, there's no DVRs to buy. So the great part about our camera solution is just like with the rest of our our Meraki solutions, you buy the camera and that's it. There's no DVR. There's no extra proprietary cabling. There's no on-prem management system, none of that stuff. You get the camera, you hook it up to your wireless network, give it give it power, and then it's, it's online and doing all of the great things and providing that granular level of security that our new return to work is going to require in order to make sure we're all safe. That's a fantastic run through. Thank you, Chris. There's clearly plenty there to support this environment that we're trying to imagine now and that we're moving into. So no worries on that side. Like We've got the stuff we need to do this. But um, Tom, let me turn it over to you. Obviously, we need to see that that's backed up by a willingness by our financial services companies to really invest here. So what have we got there that gives us that confidence that there is real investment there to sort of support this new normal, if we want to call it that, to bring in technology like Chris was running through or frankly, any other aspect of change in this industry? It's an interesting dynamic, Simon, in that it's a very much of a hybrid cloud model that we're finding with our clients. You know, just as Chris mentioned, obviously the Meraki capabilities are ideally suited for the current challenges that our FinServe customers are facing. You know, simple, secure, intelligent, obviously having that cloud-based network platform in place. And just as Chris mentioned around branch transformation, whether it's IT cost efficiency, you know, having that ease of employment, as he said, and, and certainly the security prioritization, it all gets back to not only having that appropriate mix between remote work from home and also going back to brick and mortar, but you know, being able to align it with metrics as far as what is that economic impact that we need to achieve as a business. 
you know, just like Chris said, you know, the low margins, very high transactional business is financial services as a whole. So when we're looking at technology investments and how do we execute, what does that timeline look like over the next 12 to 18 to 24 months from a project ex execution perspective? We're aligning it very closely to success metrics that the company needs to achieve. Mm -hmm. So whether it's employee productivity, if it's being able to substantiate a decreased number of hours in productivity to achieve certain deals, you know, close a, an opportunity faster to have that improved advisor productivity, for example, you know, really important. You know, how does the technology align to that? Of course, when we talk about cost savings, you know, what is that OPEX advantage as far as a uh, reduction in the cost of sale? Is it a uh, cost to serve that's become a shorter timeline because of enhanced technology capabilities? Has a travel and expense, that's something that our clients are really taking a close look at. You know, do we need to travel globally as much as we did previously? You know, what does that model look like? And can we accelerate technology initiatives in order to reduce travel spend? from a cost savings perspective, you know, and of course, when we talk about telecom spend, you know, there's certainly a significant opportunity to take a closer look at what pre-pandemic and what 21 and beyond will look like. Also, we're looking at, of course, customer satisfaction, you know, just as any other vertical industry, financial services very tightly aligned around uh, customer sentiment, you know, net promoter scores, JD Power, you know, what is the opportunity to embrace technology capabilities and solutions in order to improve customer net satisfaction. You know, having that telephony improvement as far as uh, connecting to the branch or connecting to the contact center, eliminating those uh, surge in call volume, for example, and it ties directly to the NPS. If you're able to increase that customer satisfaction, you know, certainly that can help to grow the business significantly, as we know, whether you're a U.S. organization or a multinational FinServe organization. When we talk about sales conversion, you know, certainly having those metrics and the advanced analytics that Chris referred to you know, certainly is critically important you know, to be able to justify the improvement in new mortgage business, for example, you know, with a particular technology capability, having that sales increase or cross-sell and upsell or accelerating the sales conversion rate, for example. And of course, getting it to you know, selling more product for the producers, you know, working for our customers so that they can successfully grow the business. So very much what Chris is referring to is, is very much in alignment with the challenges that customers are facing, literally sorting through these issues right now, you know, with Cisco, with our Meraki teams and with other ecosystem partners, obviously. It's not a one size fits all, but there's significant challenge and also opportunities ahead. That sums it up really well, Tom. I think that's just the permanent dilemma we live in, right? We have challenges and we have opportunities and we're just trying to navigate our way between those two things. Thank you both very much. There's so much in there to unpack. It's a dense topic with a lot of different nuances <laughs> to it. So thank you, both of you, for walking us through uh, some of these real carebouts in the financial services world. Um, Chris, I'll just give you one final word around where people can go to find out a little bit more if they want to maybe learn some more with a specific story relating to a specific customer. Um, what, what would you recommend to them? Our website, meraki.com website, is a fabulous resource. There is documentation on all of our solutions. We have the site broken out by industry vertical, so you can go in and find uh, all of the relevant financial services use cases and other information related to the vertical on that, that portion of the website. 
as well as all of our product documentation and other customer testimonials are on there. It is a tremendous, really, really easy to navigate resource. Just like our technology, our website is simple to use. And I heard on the grapevine that there was a new ebook coming as well. So um, I'm pretty excited to see uh, what that looks like. I think it might actually be available by the time this podcast goes live. So if you are listening, please do go and check that out so you can learn even more. Tom and Chris, thank you both so much. We got through the week. Well done. (laughs) Thank you, Simon. Thank you, Tom. It was a pleasure. Same here, Chris. Uh, Always a pleasure. Simon, thank you so much. And gents, enjoy the weekend. Have a great one. Yeah, absolutely. And so to everybody who's listening and tuned into the podcast, thank you once again for listening to the show. We do love having you on board here. And we know we have a pretty regular and sustained audience. And we're really grateful to you for staying with us through what has been a really tough year. We are definitely getting there. I can see light starting to get brighter and brighter at the end of that tunnel. So just keep on going. And uh, we will be back again with a couple more weeks with another episode of Meraki Unboxed. Please be subscribed if you're not already. Hit that subscribe button so you can be notified when we get a new episode out there. Beyond that, stay safe and we will see you on the next one. Bye for now.